Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to Morbid early and ad-free. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to a Morbid Network podcast. Audible lets you enjoy all your audio entertainment in one app. You'll always find the best of what you love or even something new to discover. They offer an incredible selection of audiobooks across every single genre, from bestsellers and new releases to celebrity memoirs, mysteries, thrillers, which I'm super into lately, motivation, wellness, business, and even more. Audible's the destination for thrilling audio entertainment with highly anticipated new releases and next listen recommendations to habituate every type of thriller listener. Keep your heart rate up month after month with this pulse-pounding collection that you can't hear anywhere else. I actually just finished listening to, it's one of my favorite stories, but listening to it was even cooler. It was The House Across the Lake by Riley Sager. It's narrated by Bernadette Dunn, and I think they just have one of the best voices for an audiobook. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500. That's audible.com slash morbid or text morbid to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash morbid. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. Earn up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase every day. Then grow it at 4.50% annual percentage yield when you open a savings account with Apple Card. Visit apple.co card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card subject to credit approval. Savings available to Apple Card owners subject to eligibility. Savings accounts provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA member FDIC. Terms apply. Hey weirdos, my name's Ash. And I'm Elena. And this is Morbid. Sure is. And I wanted to throw you off by saying my name's Ash. (laughs) Instead of I'm Ash. We're crazy tonight, guys. Welcome to part three of Dennis Raider, a.k.a. PTK. A.k.a. Idiot Face McGooch. Exactly. It's been a long haul. And this is the end. This might be the longest installment yet. (laughs) This episode is going to be four and a half hours long. Yeah, it's a long one. This episode is going to be a Harry Potter movie. But you know what? When we get to the end, it's going to be worth it. It's we, been worth it the whole time. We get closure at the end. We're like, yeah. I've had closure the whole <laughs> way through because it's been so fun just making fun of this dingus face. The If you have not joined the Facebook group yet, You're join wrong. the Facebook group and see the absolute just debauchery that has occurred at BTK's expense. It is so funny. It's, All the memes that you guys oh. are brilliant. Killing I can't even the game, no pun intended. I can't even pick my favorite one. No, the, and we're trying, somebody, some beautiful angel made a whole thread of all of them, so they're all in one spot. Oh my god, I love it. And it's like a BTK Dennis Rader mashup with Mean Girls, and it's, it, every single one is better than the other. It like, I'm dying. What if we sent them to BTK? I, I kind of want to. Can somebody do that? Yeah, we should do that. Let's do it. Let's do it. Well, before we start in on this jackweed, um, jackweed, <laughs> I just That's wanted. A good one too. We have just one thing to cover. One thing quickly. 
Uh, we just want to remind you that we still have tickets uh, for our second live show, Woo! which is on November 19th, 2019, and it is at AS220 Main Stage in Providence, Rhode Island. Um, tickets are on sale right now. There's still a good amount left, so go gobble them up. And you can get them at Eventbrite. Yes. You can just go on there and search Morbid, a true crime podcast live. Or you can go on to our Instagram, and I've put the link for the event page for the tickets in our bio. So go get them. It's going to be awesome. It's the week before Thanksgiving. We'll do something sick. And we're going to stay after. Same deal. Like, you exactly. don't have to pay extra for a meet and greet. No way. We're just there. That's crazy. We're just going to hang to the extreme afterwards. A few people have messaged us asking, because for the October one, we're doing, like, the spooky background of Halloween. Yeah. But for this one, it's most likely going to be, like, a true crime case. Like, yeah, I think is. so. Yeah, I think it's just going to be a true crime case. But you know what? We don't know. We'll let you know when we know. We'll hit you up. We'll do it. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's get back into Dennis, shall we? Dennis. Fucking Dennis. D-nice. So when we last left you, we left you on the pretty awful murder of Shirley Vianne. That was a rough one. But we ended on the even, the equally as awful poem he wrote about the event. Oh God, his poems suck. So uh, now we are at his next, because he doesn't wait very long. Between like between kills, no, he's he's real hungry. He's real feisty all the goddamn time. He's just a big old doofus. But before I do this, I just want to say that there's another really great resource for info about Dennis. Um, there's like photos, lots of evidence, photos and stuff. Um, and it's a website called survivingbtk.weebly.com, and they have it like all laid out in chapters of his life. Like oh, that's they've really gone like very thorough, very well organized. I got some of my information from there, so go check them out because they've done like shit tons of legwork. Um, so in we're in nineteen seventy seven now. Welcome everybody. I've never been there before. Yeah, it's um this nineteen seventy seven is not awesome. I don't wanna go there. Uh Dennis is looking for his next victim already. Awesome. He's fresh off of Shirley, and he's ready for the next one. This was going to be victim number seven. And in his words, he referred to this next one as PJ Fox, Foxtail, or Fox Hunt. Why PJ? PJ is his abbreviation, his abbreve for project. Oh, okay. Um, That's stupid. And in his own words from the Catherine Ramsland letters... He said, quote, there are three letters in Fox's name. It sounds similar to sex, and the fox is hard to catch. She looked very smart, so I had to outsmart her. The date was also close to the anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor, and this was a sneak attack. December is also the year coming to an end, and winter is the end of the life cycle. A lot of things were right about this hit. Okay, number one, fox and sex <laughs> don't sound alike at all. Besides the fact that they have three letters and N and X, that's it. That's all they have. Like, they do not sound alike, <laughs> nope, Dennis. they like, don't. Maybe you should get hooked on phonics they again. They really don't. But he's so obsessed with that. In fact, in, we'll see later, he uses another, like, alias name 
I believe it's Rex, and it's because it rhymes with sex. And it's like, I'm sorry. Are you 12 Are years you old? a 12-year-old boy? Right? Like, okay, Dennis. Because he's literally like, tee rhymes with sex. Rhymes with sex. Like, like, fuck off. Dude, of which you are getting none. So chill. Like, he <laughs> must not have been. No, it's like, come on, oy, dude. Oy, oy. Um, In his court testimony, which we're going to play later, a quick clip from that. It was after he had pleaded guilty, which, spoiler alert, he was guilty. He was? <laughs> yeah, crazy. No way. He went into, I mean, like, disgustingly cold detail, and he just coldly confessed to the gruesome details of each of his murders. So he went over the night of December 8th, 1977, which is the night he killed 25-year-old Nancy Fox. Dennis said he had been trolling for a while. And that he happened to see her going into her home one night. Now, side note, (laughs) this is what is truly scary about Dennis. He would just see you and just fixate on you. It was just something about you that would like. And all he had to do was see you once. And if he fixated, that was it. You were it. And he could just see you like out at your mailbox or just getting into your car. So it's like doing mundane things, everyday things. You never think someone's watching you. He's fucking well, watching Well, and how many you. times do you see like so many people throughout the day just yeah. doing that? And like you're just like the unlucky one that he fixated yeah. on. And it's like you don't think walking out to your car that someone's staring at you and watching you. Now I'm gonna. And sizing you up to maybe stalk you for months and then murder you in your house. This podcast has made me live my life in fear. Yeah. I'd book it. I think that's done that to a lot of people. I know. I Literally, I get out of my my car and i just run inside yeah it's so fast that's smart man because there's dennis's out in the world the and they're no good now during the confession in court the judge interrupted him at one point and asked him to clarify what trolling meant i don't blame him because i think at first he thought he said patrolling and he was like were you working like oh. were you like a security officer and honestly anyone who sees this can see that dennis is just fucking tickled that he gets to explain his serial killer lingo to everybody in court. Like, you can tell he's like, well, let me explain. He's being such a minkus about it. Oh, he's such a homicidal minkus. <laughs> so you can see how ridiculous he is. He answers, quote, it's called stalking or trolling. And then he says, if you've read, that, if you've read much about serial killers, they go through different phases. That's one of the phases that they go through. It's a, is a trolling stage. Basically, you're looking for a victim at that time. And you could be trolling for months or years, and once you lock in on a certain person, it becomes stalking. There could be several of them, but you really hone in on that one person. That's ba- they basically become, that's, that's the victim. Oh, wow. Thank you for that's, that beautiful explanation. And this is what he said in court after he pled guilty in front of victims' families, explaining to the court, let me explain to you what a piece of shit I am and how I go through my process. He's just such a bizarre person. And the best part was after he went through that whole thing, like, well, it's called the trolling stage. If you know anything about serial killers, you know that they do this. After that, the judge was like, no, I thought you said patrolling. I was just wondering if you were working. And he was like, oh, no, this wasn't on my work hours. <laughs> like, oh, it's like this my whole, God. Like, you're just like, fucking Dennis. I can't. <laughs> he gets like so like, like excited Dennis. to explain it. And then the guy's like, yeah, and the judge calm is down, like, <laughs> buddy. The judge is like. No, I just thought you said patrolling. though. Uh, So he said once he locked in on Nancy, he did his homework. He stopped by to look in her mailbox to see her name and where she worked. Oh, that's so creepy that anyone can just look in your fucking mailbox. Yeah. 
felonious on all accounts. I hate mail. Uh, He basically says that the more he could find out about the person, uh, the better, obviously, because, you know, obviously this makes some kind of twisted sense because it allows for more personalized ruses for him to use um, to be allowed in if that's the route he's going to take because he would do different things. And it also just allows them to gain him to gain their trust better because it allows him to become more personal with them and understand what they might want to hear. So as stupid and fucking dumb and bumbling and fucked up as he is he has these like methods that you're like fuck that makes sense like i hate that you're like kind of smart there right (laughs) like it's like ugh. so on the night of december 8th 1977 dennis parked his car a few blocks away from nancy's home at 843 south pershing he thought this number was pretty neat because it had a three in it remember he loves the number three three for me yeah and now back to this jagweed. Skip it about boot up, yeah. He knocked on her door because he said he wanted to make sure that no one was home. Uh, after all, he had stalked her enough to know when she arrived home, so he wasn't looking for her to answer the door. Right. No one answered, so he just went around back. He cut the phone lines because Ugh. that's his shit. Spook, spook. Um, he then just broke in and just fucking waited in her kitchen. Just like hung out just in her kitchen? sat on her kitchen like what do you think on a kitchen chair busy. um he said he uh he liked to drink glasses of water while he sat in people's homes interesting and then he would wash the glass and be like teehee like that was his little thing that's so stupid uh he pr- now he had practiced this one to make sure it didn't go awry like the previous ones did. yeah because remember all his other ones unfortunately they were successful but they were fucking bumbling like, he bumbled, he Mr. Beaned his way through all of those. Like, the girl whose brother was home. Exactly. And he didn't, didn't he not think that the dad was going to be home, the Otera dad? Yeah, he had no idea that he was going to be home. I mean, like, there was so many things. So he said he had an old window in the shed at home that was like Nancy's window. And he had practiced cutting glass with a glass cutter to, like, get in there quick, easy, and without any noise. Wow. Um, so he says, quote, on a bee, which is breaking and entering, uh-huh. there's a powerful feeling as you enter someone's territory. The smell and fixtures surround you, and there are unexplored parts of the house with treasures to find and keep. It is a violation to them. Yes, sort of mental rape. Ew. I can completely understand why burglars are attracted to it. Jesus Christ. He's so gross. He's like, not my MO, but I get it. I get why people want to mentally rape people. Like, what the fuck? I hate you, Dennis. That's dark. So so Nancy comes in, and she's obviously very startled to see fucking Dennis sitting at her kitchen table. One might figure. So he just tells her he had a sexual issue, and he needed to tie her up, he needed to have sex with her, and he needed to take a few pictures, but that he wasn't going to kill her oh my god i'd I'd say i'm not gonna hurt you but that's hurting you right um she was upset according to him obviously she was like what the fuck makes sense like you're not just gonna be like oh okay oh right as long as that's all you want to do and the two of them began talking a bit like he was trying to calm her down he said eventually they sat across from each other in the living room and she started smoking a cigarette but he was trying to keep her chill by acting like she was going to live through this ordeal. <sighs> he's just talking to her. He's like, yeah, dude, like, I'm really sorry. I'm just this, like, fucked up sexual guy. I need to take pictures so I can jack it later. That's all this is. That's and she's so sitting there being weird. like. Oh. And he said while they were sitting there, he did go through her purse. 
And you picked out a few things you wanted to steal, like her license and all that, because he steals all their licenses. That's like his thing. Right. He said at some point, she said, and he said this in his court testimony and in the letters to uh, Catherine Ramsland. He said, quote, she said, well, let's get this over with so I can go call the police. Which I'm like, what a bad bitch you are. I love that. Like, I love that she's just like, you know what? Let's just get this over with so I can call the fucking police on your ass, you degenerate. But he said she sealed her doom for sure on that one. Because when he said she said she was going to call the police, I wasn't wearing a mask. And he was like, even if fuck you, he was going to kill her. And he was like, yeah, he was like, even if I wasn't going to kill her, I had to kill her now. And it's like, oh, I know. She then asked if she could go to the bathroom and he said yes, but he propped it open so she couldn't make any moves. Right. Like he wanted to be able to see what she was doing. He told her to come out naked and he undressed himself, which makes me shudder so hard that I am fairly certain that my great grandkids are going to feel chills from this knowledge. (laughs) They won't know what those chills are from, but one day they will just shudder like a shake weight. And, and it's what? and it's from this knowledge of Dennis just ew, standing there naked ew, waiting ew, for ew, someone. Ew, ew, ew. Yeah. Now what's nuts is she came out still wearing a pink sweater, I believe it was, and he went to remove it, and mm-hmm. she was like, "Please don't." And he was like, "Okay." Oh, that's and, sad. Yeah. And he, in his in his words, he said, "She asked that I leave the bedroom door open, which I did." This relates to other times when I respected a victim's request. Like, oh, you're great. Thanks (laughs) so much for doing that. Like, he has to point out, like, this, like, oh, see, I am a human, I think. I'm a nice guy. He's like, I think I might be human, guys. He's like, no, I don't think so, though. No. So he handcuffed her with handcuffs he brought with him, uh, with her hands behind her back, which just, like, gives me, it. it gives me the heaps. I can't. And he had her lay on the bed, and he tied her feet. According to his letters to Catherine Ramsland, he said, quote, I asked if she had ever had sex in the butt with her boyfriend. I had no intention of normal rape sex or even sodomy. I wore no condom at the time. So actually, to me, it was like mental rape or mental sodomy. That's all I needed with a victim in bondage. The act of strangling brought gratification quickly along with the victim struggling. He is so gross. He's so far into like monster land it's just unbelievable because right. it's like that's oh so he's making her think i'm gonna rape you right i'm gonna I'm, sodomize you so I'm now not. she's freaking out and he's like oh but i don't need to do that all i need to do is strangle her well and that's the last thing she's expecting because all she thought oh god yeah because he made her think and he's acting very like you I'm know, gonna rape you he, and he's also going along with requests like please don't take this off and he's like okay please leave the door open okay like he's acting very like chill. Like, I'm all right. So I'm she's probably thinking like, kill you. yeah. And that's his thing is he wants them to feel like they're okay. That's Ugh. part of the whole thing that he gets like satisfaction. Because then when of. he goes to actually kill them, they're probably like they're like, so a look shocked. On their face is yeah. probably like wild. Exactly. Ew, that's so creepy. I, I didn't even want to understand. I know that. it's awful. I didn't want to understand. That I didn't at all. want to either. Why did I understand? that? Why did we do that? Oh, <laughs> so. In court, he said he merely climbed on top of her at this time and strangled her with a belt. Uh-huh. To Catherine Ramsland and to the police, he said, quote, Fox passed out. I had her come back, and I whispered in her ear a bit. I told her I was BTK. I was a bad guy. 
This was the torture thing. You can visualize being tied up and knowing that something is going to happen to you and you can do nothing. That's my torture. Now, to me, the fact that he said in court, I just strangled her with a belt. And Uh that seems to be what he does is he strangles pretty quick. Yeah. And then he's telling the police and in like these letters that I I brought her back and I whispered in her ear, I'm BTK, I'm a bad guy. And also that probably meant nothing to her because had it even been printed yet? Exactly. No, it hadn't. She's like, you're Burger King? So she's like, excuse me? And I I don't think it happened. Right. I I think he's just trying to toughen up his shit. I think he's trying to like fluff up his stories, which you know what? To that I say, fuck you, sir. Um, so he then said he unhandcuffed her and retied her hands with pantyhose and took the belt off her neck and then retied her neck with pantyhose. This was all for like the look of it. Like he did this all. He never left the handcuffs on or the belt. He didn't like how that looked. He liked how it looked in the moment. But if you once he was going to take pictures, he liked the aesthetic of the nylons and all that. Those pictures Um, are fucking exactly. It's for his own fantasy. He then went through the home to take some of her things, which is what he does. He does have a very specific routine that he takes here. Mm -hmm. Uh, Basically, he's just looking for like clothing, jewelry, feminine things that he can use later. He also grabbed her license. Um, He poured himself a glass of water. He turned up the heat and then he left. Because remember, he turns up the heat to fuck with time of death. Which I didn't know was a a possibility. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. And in his own words, all this was done while she was, quote, dying on the bed. Nice. Which it's like, fuck, dude. Now, as for the jewelry that he took from her home, he considered giving some of it to his wife. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, it's, and it's even That's worse. Horrible. Oh, it's even worse. He said, quote, I thought, no, I'm not going to give it to my wife. That's too cruel. Yeah. I thought about giving it to my daughter once, and I maybe did give it to my daughter. But I don't think so. I think I still have it. The fact that he's like, yeah, I might have given it to my young daughter. Like I gave a, a dead woman whom I killed. Yep, her jewelry to my young daughter. And then he's like, yeah, I could have done that. It's like, so it's what? too cruel to give it to your wife. But it's, you gave it, you maybe gave but it to you your maybe, daughter. But you maybe, you're like, you know what? There's a distinct possibility that I gave it to my young daughter. Like that. Like, wow. Is, and I feel like he got off on that somehow. Oh, yeah. Like that's, seeing it, like yeah. seeing it worn every day and stuff, that would be a whole nother on level. your daughter though? Yeah. Like, or your wife? It's, he's so beyond. Wow. Man. Now, remember, Dennis is an attention seeker of the highest order. Yeah, Mingus. And so the next morning at around 8.15, while he was with his crew at work getting breakfast, he just couldn't take it anymore. So he took a moment to go to a payphone, and he called the police. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, he reported this murder because he was too eager to wait for it to happen naturally. Like, he literally left her house, went to work, and was like, I, I just got to send people there. I need people to see it. Wow. Like, what? So he said he covered the receiver and, like, kind of muffled and disguised his voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, quote, yes, you will find a homicide at 843 South Pershing, Nancy Fox. And then he just left the phone dangling off the hook. And they traced the phone call. Obviously. Uh, and he said that he didn't know why he left the phone off the receiver. He said he didn't even th- think it was like a conscious decision. He said, quote, I don't know, perhaps nervous or delay, but it could be traced. Maybe it was a cat and mouse move. Probably a thing you do when you're younger. And if you think things 
out and you wouldn't do it now, which it's like, yeah, that's something I often did in my youth. Uh, I always left the receiver dangling off the hook when I found myself desperate for attention after I brutally murdered another human being yeah, the night it's, before. Yeah, it's just something you do when you're young. That's that's like youth shit. It's right? like that Adele song, when we were young. It's, it's just youths. We you left know? the phone dangling off the hook after just, we killed yeah. someone. It's fine. Yeah. Hashtag youngins. Like, just, just kids being yeah. kids. Just kids being kids. Now, nothing happened. And no, like, obviously they went to the house. They, they found her. Right. Uh, but, but nothing was, happened. Like, no media coverage. like no one, no one considered him a suspect. Nothing was really oh. going crazy. There was media coverage, but it was like, it was kind of like small. It just mm-hmm. wasn't what he wanted. Mm-hmm. So on January 31st, 1978, he sent a copy of his Shirley Locks. Remember the Shirley Vianne poem? that poem. Poem to the Wichita Eagle. Mm-hmm. Remember the thing that you can get for 99 cents a month if you want. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> unlimited, that. unlimited articles, and it's a good paper. And didn't you get that? I did. I paid for it. It's worth it. So there wasn't any news coverage of it, though, like the Shirley Lux poem being sent there. And he was pissed. So he was like, I just sent you this poem. And I wrote it be. myself. Yeah, I wrote it myself. It's great. So he composed another letter and sent it to KAKETV, Cake TV. Which, I know, which is the local news station. Now, the Wichita Eagle and Cake TV got the most shit during BTK's reign because he liked their coverage. Right. And he's just like, I like, they covered my shit when I wanted them to, so they got it all. Oh, good. And he also had, like, a weird, like, sexual obsession with one of the anchors. Ew. On Cake TV, yeah. So he liked that she was reporting Yeah, so I think it gave him, like, a little... Little, a sparky big sparky time. big time you know what i mean Ew. now the letter that he sent to cake tv was signed btk and he talked about how he murdered the oteros nancy fox and shirley vianne and he also mentioned an unidentified kill that we now know was Catherine bright okay but he didn't he like he mentioned it and connected himself to it but they he didn't say her name right he also included a drawing of a woman who was bound and gagged with another fucking poem. This one's entitled, Oh Death to Nancy. Oh, good. And this is how it went. What is it that, what is this that I can see? Cold icy hands taking hold of me? For death has come, you all can see. Hell has opened its gate to trick me. Oh, death. Oh, death. Can't you spare me over for another year? I'll stuff your jaws till you can't talk. I'll blind your legs till you can't walk. I'll tie your hands till you can't make a stand. And finally, I'll close your eyes so you can't see. I'll bring sexual death unto you for me. What is sexual death? I don't know. It sounds gnarly, though. I don't want any part of it. Yeah, what? (laughs) I do not want any part of it. Now, along with that, you know, amazing shit. He also sent a letter. Oh, this is what the letter said. I find the newspaper not writing about the poem on Vianne unamusing. A little paragraph would have been enough. I know it now. There's a lot of grammatical errors and spelling errors, so bear with me because I might stumble a bit just because it's really bad. Uh, I know it not the news media fault. The police chief, he keep things quiet and doesn't let the the pubic public no, there's a psycho running around, loose, strangling mostly women. 
There's seven in the ground. Who will be next? How many do I have to kill before I get a name in the paper or some national attention? Do the cop think that all those deaths are not related? Golly gee, yes, the M.O. is different in each, but look, a pattern is developing. The victims are tied up. Most have been women, phone cut, bring some bondage, mater sadist tendencies, no struggle. Outside the death spot, no witness except the Vian's kids. The death spot? Yeah. Wow. The death spot. They were very lucky. A phone call saved them. I was going to tape the boys and put plastic bags over their head like I did Joseph and Shirley and then hang the girl. God, oh God, what a beautiful sexual relief that would have been. Josephine, when I hung her, really turned me on. Ew. Her pleading for mercy when the rope took hold. She helpless, staring at me with wide, terror-filled eyes, the rope getting tighter, tighter. You don't understand these things because you're not under the influence of Factor X. Oh, my God. The same thing that made Son of Sam, Jack the Ripper, Harvey Glattman, Boston Strangler, Dr. H.H. Holmes, Pantio Strangler, Florida, Hillside Strangler, Ted of the West Coast, which is what he called Ted Ted Bundy. Bundy? Ted Ted of of the the West West Coast. Coast. Are you (laughs) shitting me? Like nothing else Ted is Bundy funny about this, but would that. give him the biggest bird. <laughs> He'd be like, no, he would give him an atomic wedgie. Yeah. Now, uh, in many more infamous character kill, which seems senseless, but we cannot help it. There is no help, no cure, except death or being caught and put away. It is a terrible nightmare, but you see, I don't lose any sleep over it. After a thing like Fox, I come home and go about life like anyone else. And I will be like that until the urge hits me again. It's not continuous, and I don't have a lot of time. I'll take time to set a kill, one mistake, and it's all over. Since I about blew it on the phone, handwriting is out, letter guide is too long, and typewriter can be chased too. He makes literally no sense. Excuse me. My short poem of death and maybe a drawing, later on real picture, and maybe a tape of the sound will come your way. How will you know me? Before a murder or murders, you will receive a copy of the initials BTK. You keep that copy. The original will show up someday on guess who? May you not be the unlucky one. P.S. Here's where he gave all the uh, name suggestions. P.S. How about some name for me? It's time. Seven down and many more to go. I like the following. How about you? Oh, my God. The BTK Strangler. Wichita Strangler, Poetic Strangler, The Bondage Strangler, or Psycho, The Wichita Hangman, The Wichita Executioner, The Garot Phantom, The the Asphyxiator. He is a fucking loser. Yeah. And after that, he he also listed each victim and how they were found in very specific crime so scene details. They knew that he like so they were like talking about. Oh, this fucking loser is the guy. Like, really awesome. Oh god. Now things quieted down for a little bit after this, and he kept doing like petty thefts and breaking and enterings. No real quote unquote projects panned out for him, but he <laughs> he was. Trolling. I thought you meant PJs. PJs. Yeah, no sorry. PJs. I'm sorry. No real PJs. Just trolling. And he was just like living his life basically for when his wife was out so that he could dress up in women's items and film himself in auto erotic asphyxiation poses. Oh, excuse me. I just threw up all over the place. Exactly. On June 13th, 1978, their daughter Carrie was born. Okay. So their second child. 
during this whole time, he was obsessively learning about all serial killers at the time. Like Ted of the West Coast. Like Ted of the West Coast. He was also very into like Gacy and the Hillside Stranglers who were around during this time. So it was all like in his face, basically. Now, April 28th, 1979, 63-year-old Anna Williams came back to her home later one night to find that someone had clearly broken in. Her phone lines were cut. No. Wires and shit were left around. No one was there, though. June 15th comes around. She gets a package that's actually addressed to her dead husband. Oh, God, that's really awful. And in it is a photocopied poem. Um, I think there was, like, drawings of, like, naked, you know, bound and gagged women, which is what he loved to do. He would, like do a drawing of a bound and gagged woman or he would put a like magazine picture of a like some Mm -hmm. chick he thought was hot and he would draw like gags and bindings on her wow yeah oh in 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 the package was also her own scarf that he had taken from her house and a piece of her own jewelry he had taken from her i would move away now that poem that was in there is that oh anna why didn't you appear no yeah Remember the one we talked about in, like, I think it was part one? Now, he sent similar package with photocopies of all the actual items that were in that to Cake TV. Okay. So he wanted both of them to get it. Now, apparently, it was actually Anna's granddaughter, Rebecca, who was, like, 24 years old, that was the intended target. Oh, So he thought Anna's granddaughter was her. Okay, okay, okay. That's why he's, like... Super, he was went through the whole thing. It wasn't right. for poor 63 year old Anna, but yeah, so she didn't, nobody died, uh-huh. but that all happened. Now, a crazy this is just like a crazy side thing because he was saying how he loved this, he was upset about this one because the Anna thing didn't work out. He really was looking forward to that project, bada ba, but he said he did love freaking them the fuck out like that like I mean, like yeah. just just ruining their world because now they're fuck your world up they, big time they know someone's been in their house like they're gonna yeah i hate that more than anything and he said that he also during this time used to get great pleasure in scribbling btk was here on men's bathrooms like men's bathroom walls or mirrors when he was out and drunk. Like a straight up 14 year old in the high school bathroom. Exactly. But also I'm like, where are those? That's true. Like someone in Wichita go find that shit. Yeah, but I bet how many copycats I know. are there? That's true. In 1983, his son Brian became a Cub Scout. And Dennis. You mean an Eagle Scout? An Eagle Cub Scout. Duh. <laughs> and Dennis became a scout leader. Oh. Seems like the perfect job for him, right? No. No. Wrong. Not at all. Wrong. Incorrect answer. Yeah. I'll take no for 3,000, Alex. And this comes back later, just so you know. Him now, being an, an Eagle Scout Cub dad? Yeah, it, 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 precisely. Okay. In, in 1984, he noticed one of his neighbors, who he saw all the time. Mm-hmm. This was a neighbor, like, literally a couple houses down, saw her all the time. And he just noticed her all of a sudden. Oh, great. That's what you want. Yeah. Her name was Maureen Hedge, and she was 53 years old. Uh Uh-huh. And she was adorable. No. Yeah. I don't want that. He said she often smiled and waved to him. No. And he said, quote, 
I thought about what her neck would look like with rope around it. Jesus Christ. Which kind she's like, of good morning, Dennis. And kind, he's like and she and he's like, wouldn't you look pretty with a rope around your neck? Doesn't this remind you of Ed Kemper when he said, sometimes I see a pretty girl and I think I want to take her out on a date. Other times I think, wow, her head would look good on a stick. Yep. He's just like mimicking other serial killers. So that's, it's just kind of like a funny coincidence that he used it. He used that phrase, you know? Right, right, right. So he said she did have a male friend who came around sometimes, but he wasn't very concerned about that. She was definitely next. No. He called this one Project Cookie and Project Deflower. Why? Deflower because he often saw her when she was out gardening, and he also liked gardening. So, flower. You know. That's horrific. Yep. So, April 26th, 1984, Dennis went to scout camp to help set up because they were going on a camping trip. No. Yes. Yes. (laughs) He said, quote, that day I parked up on the hill off the roadside near the camp so I could leave and come back unnoticed. I had my hit kit in a bowling bag I had brought. I had bought at a garage sale. I'd keep I had kept it in the work shed. He said he told the leaders and the scouts that he had a headache. So he was going to go to sleep early that night. Uh huh. This is when he left. He went and changed into different clothing, drove to a bowling alley, pretended to bowl. What? Why? It's just like an alibi kind of thing. Right, right, right. Then he splashed beer in his mouth and on his face to appear drunk and called a cab. Why did he want to appear drunk? Because he wanted this cab driver to think he was just a drunk guy who needed a ride home. Okay. He went, he went too far. Like, this is just too much. Yeah, this is just yeah. like, what? He made the cab guy let him out because he said he told him that he like needed some air. Please let me out. So yeah. the guy let him out and he walked to Maureen's house. So he basically needed that cab to drive him far enough away to where he could walk. Okay. Now he cut the phone lines and broke into her home. She wasn't there. Okay. He said immediately he heard a car pull in when he got in the house. Ugh. And two people approaching the house. So of he course. ran. So he immediately ran to a bedroom. This is where he hid in the fucking closet. No. Now this, this is the one that like shut. It just gives me straight like up chills. chills. Yeah. This is also why I check all of my fucking closets before I go to bed, and why my husband's like, "You're insane. Calm down." No, I do that. Too. And I'm like, "No, Dennis might be in there." Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Now, Maureen and her male friend were there visiting for over an hour while Dennis hid in the closet. Wow. Drink that in. Like, they are hanging out, talking, doing their thing, and he's in the fucking closet watching them. Do you know what I just thought of? <sighs> That's why I don't wear socks. Because my shoes all stink and there's no way anyone could last an hour in my closet. <laughs> I was really wondering where you were going with that. That's why I don't wear socks. Well, that's a good reason not to wear socks. BTK. Well, it gets worse. He then waited until, in his words, to the judge when he was discussing this whole thing uh, at his court appearance. He said, quote, he waited until the wee hours of the morning to walk into her room and flick on her bathroom lights as she slept. So... He waited over that hour that she oh, was yeah. visiting with her friend. Yep. So she, like, got ready, went to bed. Fell asleep, and then he waited a little longer until she was asleep, and then walked into her room and flicked on the light. What the actual fuck? Yeah. 
He said she screamed immediately, which, of course. And he just jumped on the bed and manually strangled her. Like, this poor woman wakes up out of dead sleep to a light being flicked on a man who she recognizes. Her neighbor. Because that's the other thing. She probably looked and was like, are you what? Like, why the fuck are you in my room in the middle of the night? And then he just jumps on her bed and manually strangles her. Wow. And she's, she can see him. She knows who this is. Right. Like, that's even worse. He said he was, you know, feeling kind of sexy. So he stripped this poor woman Ew. immediately afterwards, handcuffed her hands behind her back, and placed her on a blanket. He then took Polaroids of her. Which I accidentally saw online. Oh no! When I was and and this was honestly an accident. I don't recommend looking for them because it's really sad and awful. Yeah, I, I wasn't looking for them. I was just looking up information about her and oh, this crime God. scene, and they popped up, and I can't unsee them. So that's awful. Do with that what you will. I'm, sorry I'm sure. For your loss. Yeah, it's no good. So he says after he put her on the blanket, he got a glass of water and looked through her personal stuff like he always does. And he makes sure to say that this is his, that it's his trademark to grab water, mm-hmm. like after the thing, like he says it several times. And he stole her license. What a lame thing. Right? I got a glass of water. And he loves to say it like he's like, that was kind of my thing. Like and drinking, it's like, like hydrating. Whew, hydration. Ugh. So edgy, Dennis. You fucking nerd. Such a fucking edge master, Dennis. Ew. Uh, he then moved her outside to the trunk of her own car. Oh. When he talked about moving her, this is just like a little side thing. When he talked about moving uh, her body, he mentioned in the Ramsland book how hard it was. Like he was surprised at how hard it was. He said, quote, it's like a concrete box. This was the first time I had ever actually moved a body. I worried about my I worried about my back as I lifted her out of the trunk. Like, bitch, I move bodies for a living by myself. You truly are a tiny Little wisp of a man in every way imaginable, huh? And why why was he moving her body? Because he was putting her in the trunk of his car. But, like, why why was he moving her, like, and he didn't move victims before? He just decided to switch it up. Oh, that's weird. What, you want explanations? I don't fucking know. I mean, I don't want to get in his head. I don't fucking know why he does what he does. Most of the time you have explanations for don't. I don't have one for that one. But uh, I'm going to quickly play... The clip of him describing this, um, this part of the the this night act, yeah, and it's just um, it's during his court appearance where he just nonchalantly is talking about all these murders. And the reason I want to play this clip real quick is just because of how one, you're gonna hear what a fucking dingus he sounds like, and two, you're gonna hear how fucking casual and like bored he is describing these things. Awesome, can't wait. So here we go. There's many things that bother me about that, but one of the things that really stuck out to me was how he's like, 
<sighs> and then I put her in the trunk of the car. Like, he's just like, oh, yeah, you just, know, like you're recalling, like, just a very, very boring Sunday that like, you had. Ugh. You're like, and I emptied the dishwasher. And then I just watched Mindhunter for like six hours straight. Like, it's a very chill. Which I did the other day. I have not watched the second one yet, so nobody tells anything. It's bizarre to me how casual this motherfucker is. And that just shows you. That's him retelling it in front of these victims' families <sighs> in court, just sighing. NBD. Just, just, uh, I remember every vivid detail, but I'm so fucking bored. Here. NBD. I'm yeah. just BTK. I'm just, I'm just BTK. I no love big deal. Abreeves. <laughs> so, <Ew. laughs> now when he brought, so like he mentions in that clip, he brought her body to Christ Lutheran Church. He brought her inside the church. Oh. And he posed her nude, dead body in bondage positions inside the church to take pictures. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, in case this is shocking you and making you feel some type of way. It, yep. Don't worry, because according to Dennis, quote, I tied her up in different positions and took pictures. I did not use the altar. I was bad and disturbed, but I still had respect for some items of God's house. You placed a dead body that you murdered in God's house. I mean, hello. He may have just hidden the home of an older woman that he knew and frequently greeted in his neighborhood for hours before waking her up from sleep by flicking the light on in her room, strangling her with his bare hands, stripping her naked, and then driving her dead body in her own vehicle to a fucking church to then pose her inside in bondage positions but fuck you for assuming he would sully that altar. Fuck he would you. not sully that altar. I bet he fucking did and then lied about How it. How dare you? I'm like, I'm going to be real. If all of this has been, you know, mildly concerning, but the thought of him sullying the altar of a church was the thing that was going to throw you over the edge. You may need to look in the mirror <laughs> like that. The fact that that was his like, guys, I wouldn't fucking do that. I didn't do it on the altar it's like you brought her in a church right what like, <laughs> i'm that's, sorry that's not all okay of, all of these things leading up to that does not make it like oh well okay you didn't touch the altar Woo! close call <laughs> you were you were almost a bad guy Dennis. close call <laughs> you were almost a bad guy i'm stressed i literally can't i'm just stressed by like his like just uh, his life he's a conundrum yeah so after he took all the Polaroids he could, he said he found a ditch where people dumped trash and he dumped her body there because trash, right? That's horrible. Yeah. He then cleaned up the church and drove himself back to fucking scout camp because I bet you didn't remember that he did all this while chaperoning a scout trip. He went back and was just like, yeah, my yep. headache's gone. Just went back and was like, still, still asleep, guys. Like he pretended to be asleep. Wow. Now, the poor guy who had hung out with Maureen at her home that night be actually became the prime suspect. I mean, yeah, he was like the yeah. last person to see her. Yeah. And be and basically, this was because Dennis didn't use, do his usual attention-seeking thing, where he was, like, calling police, right. writing a letter, writing a fucking poem. Right. Because he was worried, because he said, she lived so close to me, I had a connection to her. And he's like, I didn't want this to be I didn't want too much me. attention on it. But that poor guy, it's like... He was just hanging out. And, and he's the last person to other. see her alive, as far as anybody else who knew. So 
Also, and like I said before, in the letters with Catherine Ramsland, he repeats every time he uses one of his like trademarks. Like he was annoyed they hadn't connected certain scenes to him because he would always cut the phone lines. And he was like, what the fuck? That's my trademark. They should have known that was me. That's everybody in America's trademark, you fucking moron. <laughs> Cutting the phone lines. Like every serial killer. <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Like every serial killer. I don't cut people's phone lines. You don't? No. What do you mean? Like, and he's and he's like, why are they not getting it? Like, the, it, this is his, like, I'm BTK. This is my trademark. You like, need watch to know a me scary movie. Anybody does that. Well, and with Maureen Hedge, he said he got a glass of water in her home after he killed her because that's one of his, quote, trademarks. And it just makes me think, think of, like, the DSM, which is, like, the, the manual for mental illnesses. Mm-hmm. The newest one, when you go into, like, narcissistic personality disorder... It really does show that, like, he needed to be known for these things. Right. Part of the, just a couple of the little traits that uh, go along with narcissistic personality disorder is a pervasive pattern of grandiosity, a need for admiration, and lack of empathy, has a grandiose sense of self-importance, like exaggerates achievements, expects to be recognized when they haven't really done anything to be recognized for, They're also very preoccupied with fantasies of unlimited success, power, brilliance, beauty. They also believe that they're special and unique and can only be understood by, you know, special high status people. And this is straight from the DSM. I am not making this up. This is from the manual, guys. Um, They also require excessive admiration, have a sense of entitlement. And they show arrogant, haughty behaviors and attitudes, which is exactly Dennis. It's like he needs that recognition and he also needs to be special and unique. Like he's like, that's my trademark. I drink a glass of water. Hydration is my thing. It's not your thing. It's my thing. And it's like, (laughs) hydration is not your thing. It's my thing. It's my thing. And Elaine is like, my pee is always clear, Dennis. Hell yeah. I will never pee a color, Dennis. So. Wow. (laughs) So. Come at me, bro, <laughs> with your hydration. I will never pee. <laughs> He's just so textbook. Like, he just needs to be known for something. And he, it's, and it's not even just one thing. He can't even just pick, like, I, I drink a glass of water. That's kind of my thing. He also has to be known for cutting the phone lines and for, you know, looking through their shit and for stealing a, a, their license. And for, but like, everything he does is, like, pretty, like, standard. For, like, serial killer people. Well, and I think it's, like, he picks so many things because he's so terrified that he won't be known for anything. That he's, like, maybe I'll pick one. Yeah, he's, like, I have to overcompensate from having multiple things that you can know me for. Right. It's just interesting. So September 16th, 1986, Dennis decided uh, he wanted to kill someone on his lunch break. What? Because, you know, shit's dull. So, I mean, what lunch, else what lunch else are you going to do? Dull. They are. I don't get a real lunch break, so I couldn't kill anybody on my lunch break. Uh, that's very good. Unfortunately, for 28-year-old mother to a young toddler, oh. Vicky Wurgle, she would become victim number 9. Oh jeez. This one upsets me. I bet. He had seen her weeks earlier just getting out of her car at her home. As he, one does. And he fixated on her. Oh, that I was hate, all it took. I hate that it's so simple for him. I hate it. And he dressed as, this day he dressed as a telephone repairman. 
He created his own helmet and logo and everything. Jesus. He really went for it. And he said he liked the fact that she had a covered porch that, like, kind of uh, covered the front door. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't an open front door. Yeah. And he had also heard a piano from within her home while he was stalking her. And he just fucking liked the piano. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a reason. So he showed up at her home this day and asked her if he could check her phone lines inside, and she let him in. No, you cannot. So he said he immediately saw a baby in a playpen. This baby was two years old. Okay. And he heard two dogs going nuts at the door, but they were outside. Yeah. She said, quote, she showed me where the telephone was. I had a fake instrument and pretended to fiddle with it as a phone tester. When she looked away, I drove my twenty-five caliber auto. She was scared. She started to cry. She said her husband was coming home for lunch and would be there soon. She asked about the baby. You fucking asshole. Oh, my God. Like, her baby, literally, her toddler is sitting there. You fucking asshole. Like, this is the shit that I'm like, oh, God, I Why fucking hate you. Care? Like, rot. So he made her go to the back bedroom, and he told her he was tying her up. He said that she was super upset and, and like, fighting him hard. In fact, he says, quote, she fought hard. She fought like a hellcat, which I'm like, fuck yeah, Vicky. Yeah, good job, Vicky. Uh, she ended up fucking up his nose, actually, and he had to figure out how to cover it up around his wife. Oh, wow. Which, I'm like, go you, Vicky. He strangled her with a nylon stocking, and she passed out. He opened up her blouse and pants and took photos of her quickly. I think he took three, he said. Ew. Then he said, now he wants to make sure you know he didn't hurt the baby. Oh, what a great guy. Yeah, he I didn't mean, hurt I'm the baby. I'm really glad that he didn't. Like, you didn't hurt the baby. You violently took his mother away from him, feet from where he played. I know. You're a diamond. Now, all the windows were open during this, and it was broad daylight. Oh, my God. And he had, she had said her husband was on the way, which was the truth. Oh, fuck. This was another completely bumbling murder. Uh, it was Vicky's poor husband who was coming home on his lunch break that found her. Oh, my God. And after frantically removing the nylons from her neck, as you would do when you find your wife or husband with anything around their neck, he called the police. Of course, uh, Dennis had taken her license and some personal stuff before he left because that's his trademark, guys. And everybody else's. And then he just went back to work. With his messed up nose? Yeah, he was like, whoops. Shit happens. Wow. I don't know. He didn't contact the police about this one again, and her poor husband became the prime suspect for a long time. Oh, my God. Especially because he removed the the stuff around her neck. So, uh, his, so and obviously they were like, no one else was here. Like, you came on your lunch break. You oh, must have done wow. it. wow. That's awful. I know. He really fucked with a lot of people. In 1988, he lost his job at ADT. The um, security place. I think he was just laid off. I don't think it was for anything crazy. At this point, he was 43 years old. He legit tried to become a police officer at this point. Did he really? And smartly, the Wichita PD, the Highway Patrol, and the Sheriff's Department were all like, no. (laughs) Why? Do you know? (laughs) He even says he doesn't know. They didn't give him a reason, but he thinks it was his age, which could be 43 is pretty old to become a police officer. Yeah. So this made him feel inadequate. Oh, great. So he gets pissed off, huh? Boo fucking who. And also what made him feel very inadequate was the whole serial killer boom of the 80s. Because serial killers were huge. They were infamous. There was a ton of them at the time. 
and they were splashed across every media station ever. And Dennis was getting upset because the BTK killer was not getting a lot of attention outside of Wichita. I mean, come on, guys. He drinks glasses of water. Yeah, he was like, I hydrate. At the crimes. And I cut wires. At the crimes. At the crimes. Like. I'm unique. Hello. I'm special. I'm a lot I'm different one of a kind. than Ted of the West Coast. So different from Ted of the West. <laughs> Ted of the West. I just love it. So he started working for the U.S. Census Department for a while, and this took him out of town a lot. So he was having a lot of time to hang in motels alone and do self-bondage and auto erotic asphyxiation raise your hand if you hate that and he would call it his um motel parties stop no joke and here's the but thing he was by himself yeah like i won't go into all the details of that obviously because honestly if this is all he did then that would be fine right like whatever you do you in the privacy of your own time as long as it's not at the expense of someone else like right you do you right you want to auto asphyxiate yourself in a hotel alone sure. just be safe man that's sure. all just I mean, like not him but like if you like it go just be safe yeah but then don't kill people no don't yeah do that. that's when you're not cool anymore so that census job was only temporary and it and it ended in the summer so he was pissed inadequate and prowling again no bueno. this is when victim number 10 became 62 year old dolores davis oh he did the same kind of thing. He cased the place and trolled and stalked her until he had her routine down, her home's layout, all that good stuff. So he set a plan into motion and he decided to use his Scoutmaster shit as cover again. How so this time? So in January 1991, the Scouts had their annual Dead of Winter campout at Harvey County Park West. Sounds miserable. He said, quote, I arrived early and got camp all set up. When others arrived, I fabricated a story that I had to go back into town for something. I went to my parents' house. They were on vacation and dressed in my hit clothes in the basement. So then he drove to the Baptist church and walked to Dolores's home. Mm -hmm. He got there sometime around 11 p.m. and he waited for her to go to sleep, just Ugh. watching her. Like, just watching her from outside. No. He watched her whole routine, watched her, waited for her to go sleep. So he said he was going to do the normal sneak-in thing, uh, but he didn't have a ton of time because, remember, he had to go back to scout camp at right, some point. Right, right, right. So he found a cinder block outside oh, and gosh. just chucked it through her glass door. Oh. In the middle of the night. Oh. Apparently, she ran out. Believable. And thought he had hit her house with his car. And he was like, nope. I'm a wanted man, blah, blah, blah. The same fucking ruse he uses all the time. I'm wanted. I just need your car. I just need money. Stupid, stupid, stupid. He said, quote, this was the first time I carried a club, a pipe 12 inches long, filled with lead fishing sinkers. When Jesus. she said I couldn't be there, I said, ma'am, you're going to have to cooperate. I've got a club. I've got a gun. I've got a knife. I suggest you do. You take your choice how you want it. So he forced her into a bedroom, handcuffed her while she fought him like hell. Oh. He yanked out the phone line and said he just chatted with her to calm her down. Like he I sat bet that her down. didn't work. And he said he, he said he just shot the shit with her and he kept telling her that he was just war warming himself up, getting food and shit. He was like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just need food. Like trying to keep her calm. I don't like that he does that. Oh, and he also wants you to know that he drank water. 
Because what? without that legendary move of his, it wouldn't be BTK. What is this all about? Wait, so you're telling me that he had a glass of water? He had a glass of water at the Whoa. scene. So unique. Whoa. So legendary. Whoa. So Dennis. Has anybody ever done that before? Only Dennis. Trademark. Only BTK. Water TM. <laughs> water TM. So after getting her comfortable, which I fucking hate that he gets this poor woman thinking like, you know what, it's all going to be over in a little bit. He tied her hands to her ankles while she was on her belly and strangled her with nylons as, in his words, she begged him not to kill her. Oh, good. Yeah. Now, he didn't take photos of her because she had indicated that at one point that someone was coming over. And he wanted to get out of there before any other shitstorm happened like the other places. He's He's like, I'm not taking chances this time. So he threw her in the trunk of his car. Uh, He did it again. uh Uh-huh. And drove her to some lakeside area and dumped her body. Oh, and then he realized he was missing his gun and had to go back to her house where he found it on the floor. He legit dropped his gun in her house and left it there and had to go back and get it. What an idiot. Fucking Dennis, man. Like, and the fact that he admits to that too is just like even better. It's so Dennis. He's like, and then I realized that. And then, uh, I, then I realized I did have my gun, so I had to go back and it was on the floor. It was so funny. How do you do that? Because I just channel him. I think it's a very upsetting thing I do, but I do it. It's a very upsetting <laughs> thing I do. Do you, um, do you drink water? No, no. Oh, Only okay. Dennis okay. does that. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Right. No, I don't. I don't cross over okay, like that. I'm glad. That's legend. You made me nervous for a minute. <laughs> I know. So while he was in the getting his gun that he dropped, Idiot. he stole her entire jewelry box, her license, some clothing, a camera of hers. Then he went back to her body and moved it under a bridge near a barn where he had scoped out uh, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. And he liked this area because he said he wanted to take pictures in that area. It was going to be really spooky and sexy. Ew. Yeah. Dennis. Nothing about Dennis is sexy. Oh, not even one cell in his body. Like, he's not even spooky. He's just gross. He's he's just fucking. Like, a lot of people are spooky. He's just pathetic. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. You're pretty spooky. (laughs) But he's just like a fucking bizarro. You're just like, what are you? I don't know. And I don't want to know. Well, the weather that night was too shitty for photos. It was like foggy and shit. Huge bummer. So then he just went back to scout camp. see the moon. Went back to scout camp again. Good. Yeah. Because, you know. He was chaperoning another scout trip when he did this. Can you imagine knowing that you were on that scout trip? No, I'd be like, wow. Being like, oh, I remember when Dennis left because he like left his cheesecake in town. Yeah. I don't know. Why. I don't know. It just came out of my mouth. It's a very Dennis thing to leave in town. <laughs> I mean, he leaves his gun, so I bet he'd leave his cheesecake too. I, I guarantee you he did. Idiot. So the second night of scout camp, he feigned a headache. Which they're probably like, do you have a brain tumor? Are you okay? Right? Like, like, why do you are you gonna always, make it, Dennis? You always have a headache. And he told the scout leaders he had to go into town and get medicine. So instead... No one had Tylenol? No, apparently not. Wow. Not for Dennis. Instead, he went back to Dolores' body, put a creepy porcelain mask on her, oh. and took photos. No, thank you. Then he went back to scout camp again. I just barfed. <laughs> so it was May 1991 that he got his job as a compliance officer... And boy, did he love this job. A compliance officer? Yes. So this job is like making sure leash laws are obeyed, making sure everyone's grass is a quarter inch high, 
you know, oh. enforcing all the laws around like litter and trash and all that fun oh stuff. Oh my god, he was a hall monitor. He he was literally like a town hall monitor. Wow, that's what he was. He yeah. would be a fucking hall monitor, and he loved it. He took stray. The part of the job was also taking stray dogs and any dogs who were in violation of any codes to the pound to be euthanized. And he enjoyed that. He loved it. It made him feel like a police officer, and he got to be a dick and like wield power over people. But I love dogs because I've seen like stories on like Reddit and stuff like that where people are like, "Oh, like this this guy I knew or whatever." Like somebody somebody knew got in like an argument with Dennis Rader. Really? And it was over his dog not being like, or being loud or not being leashed or something, or not being registered. Yeah. And Dennis came back and like took the dog to the pound, like oh. vengefully, like did it. Like he was like, the dude was a dick. Like he wow. used to do that shit all the time. So then people have like specific stories about him being a compliance officer. Ew. And in the the last season of Mindhunter, I think you start to see his like dickiness because I think it's I don't know if he's working at ADT in the other he thing. Is. Like when the guy comes back and needs like another roll of tape he's or like, something and he's like give me the old You one. have to give me the core. And he's like what and do the you guy mean? Goes, like he's literally like what the fuck? And he's like you need to give me the core. I can't give you another one. Like that's him. And he does like this stupid little laugh too and he's like that's just how it works. Yeah, like sorry. And the guy literally is like fuck you. And that's why being a compliance officer was like his ideal job because he essentially got to do that all day every day. Ugh. He essentially had to got to tell people give me the core or I he's can't like give you that. The narc of the century. He is. He's the worst. Oh, so in his words he said, "Quote, after Davis, the desire seemed to go away for a while." Okay. I had finally found a good job, and I was busy with the kids and home life, but that cycle started again. It seemed like 1994 to 1995 I started looking. So it was during this time that he was planning to kill a woman doctor who came to their house for house calls when he was having ear problems. Uh, that seems problematic. Well, in Hello, that's hearkening back to the ear infections when he was five. Uh. Even Dennis said that he didn't understand why he wanted to hurt a woman who was helping him, but thought it was the BDSM idea of her hurting him to help him thing, like when he was five. Yeah. So he like brought it back later oh great he's like really harping on that he's like that was it that ear infection I mean, was it maybe it was maybe it was man up it seemed and pretty like uh, significant yeah <laughs> i literally couldn't just think of that <laughs> it's a tough word up until 1995 when he turned 50 he was just he was doing breaking and enterings and just like prowling and kind of like writing down projects and stuff but he wasn't doing anything he just didn't kill anyone okay uh, he did have a specific fantasy, though, that is fucked up beyond measure. Great. He wanted to call it PJ Twin Peaks, and it was to be a mother and a daughter. Oh, no. They were both to be blonde with long hair, and the daughter was to be 10 to 12 years old. Oh, Jesus Christ. He would tie the daughter up in her bedroom and have some kind of system where she would hear her mother being tortured at high volume through some kind of, like, stereo system. Oh, my God. Like, this dude. You have children. Dude. Every time you, like, get to the point where you're like, oh, he's just a fucking bumbling idiot. Like, what then a fucking turd. He wanted to do and this. then he says shit like that, and you're like, no, you're the straight up devil. Like, you're just like, what the actual fuck? Wow. And he, like, wanted that to happen. Didn't happen, I'm luckily. I'm really glad. So it was in January 2004 
So we're jumping way ahead because he didn't do anything. Yeah. Through all this time, he was just being a compliance officer. He was, I think, like vice president of his church. He was just living his normal life. I didn't realize. Didn't kill anyone. That's That was so recent. Oh, yeah. Didn't kill anyone at this point. Was just, he, according to him and all his, the evidence they found later, he was planning a lot of projects. Like yeah. He was ready to do it. He just didn't do it. Right. It was January 2004 that Hearst Laviana, who was a, por- a reporter for the Wichita Eagle, wrote an amazingly detailed investigative piece that, like, outlined the decades since the Otero murders. Yeah. Um, and he, like, kind of connected the fact that BTK was the one who did it and BTK was never caught. Dennis was thrilled that this, like, he was like, oh, my God, this is my time. So that same year, he was voted vice president of his congregation at Christ Lutheran Church. Interesting. And this is so he sent a letter to Laviana, the reporter, on March 19th of that year and put the name as Bill Thomas Kilman. Are you kidding me? Yes. This um, this letter contained it was like a package and it had the three Polaroid photos of Vicky Wurgel lying on a floor. And a photocopy of her license. Ooh. Now, the BTK symbol was in the right-hand corner of this thing, and the return address, I think, was, like, a vacant building. So, but, every, but they were like, this shit is legit. Like, these are photos of Vicky Wergel, and yeah. that's her fucking license. Like, this is real. So this is when the media blew up. Right. And the FBI profilers became involved, and Dennis Sparky Big timed all over himself with glee. Ew. <laughs> this was... The beginning of the packages that he kept sending that eventually got his dumbass caught. Stupid idiot. Now, Dennis, like we said, uh, he loved cake TV. Because he loved cake. He loved cake. He loved uh, KAK TV. And they, it's because they covered him a lot. So they got a lot of this shit. Right. So on May 4th, 2004, uh, Cake TV got a package from Thomas B. Kingman. That's so stupid. Now, this one had all kinds of goodies in it, but mainly there was this, like, weird cryptic word puzzle a la Zodiac Killer kind of thing. Um, and th- what also looked like an outline for a BTK book. Yes, he did that. He outlined his own book. It was called The BTK Story. No. How original. Do you want to hear the chapters? No, but I'm sure I have to. You sh- You sure do. You sure do. Hit me up. One, a serial killer is born. Oh, my God. Two, dawn. Three, fetish. Four, fantasy world. Five, the search begins. Six, BTK's haunts. Seven, PJs, which just makes me think pajamas every time. (laughs) Uh, Literally. Eight, M-O-I-D ruse. Nine, hits. 10, treasured memories. What? 11, final curtain call. 12, dusk. 13, will there be more? What the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, like Dennis was psyched. Like this was his moment. Do you think he's writing that book in jail right now? He was ready to step into the spotlight and be like, it's me. Like he was just all about this. But um, also, he said it had been 30 years of this, technically, since the, o- the Otero murders. Wow. So he's been at it a long time. And so he said he was collecting trophies for most of that time from his victims. So he was like, I wanted to unload some of this stuff. It's like, taking up a lot of space in my hidey holes. 
Wow. You know. So on June 13th, 2004, someone found a plastic sandwich bag taped to a stop sign. That's freaky. Inside this bag was a brown envelope, and on it was written BTK, BTK Fieldgram. Fieldgram? Indeed. Uh, there were papers in this package that had drawings of naked ladies hanging, bound, gagged in various torture devices. And there were captions under them like death on a cold January morning. Are you shitting me? And the sexual thrill is my bill. Oh, my God, dude. I loathe him. Just calm down, okay, Den? <laughs> like, Dennis. Like, take a breather. There was also uh, another copy of the list of chapters for the BTK story because he was like, guys, I really want to write this book. <laughs> like, I think he was like, I know you did. You did. Just take another look at I'm it. I'm really trying to write Just this Just really okay. quick. Pass it along to your editor. And then there was some really creepy-ass, like, typewritten story that was dated 1974. And it was about the Otero murders, but he like kind of like zhuzhed it up a bit by referring to himself in the third person and fantasizing about like different scenarios. Like he fictionalized it a little bit. Uh-huh. Uh, he said, quote, I left the packages at first in Kansas. This symbolic meaning was important to me. We live in a symbolic world. I didn't pick the spot just because it was handy. There was a purpose. First, I believe the Clutter murders were the first of this kind of mass family murder. All the police reports to media said hinted in that direction. So first in Kansas, and the stop sign was stop and look, people of Kansas. The pole was the male symbol. I picked a number three type date, attached the package on June 12th, 612, refer to threes. It was not related to my daughter's birthday. It just happened that way. The package was wrapped in plastic and duct tape, a symbol of bondage and staple items in BTK hit kit. By posting it here, I figured an amateur would handle it before the police. That would destroy key evidence. Yeah. That's like really thought out. Wow. Like your job as a compliance officer is not taking up enough of your time, sir. Not enough Because at all. holy shit. You have far too much time to figure all that shit out. So Saturday morning, June 17th, 2004... Um, somebody who was working at a local library was look, I believe they were emptying out the book return box. And at the bottom of this box, oh God. there was a plastic bag with papers in it. This person saw BTK on it and called the police immediately. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> the, so this letter contained a story called Jake Allen about an actual 19-year-old boy who was either murdered or committed suicide. It was like a real case. Yeah. And BTK was taking credit for it. It was this weird, bizarre thing where he was claiming to have done it and had, like, he was like, I just have to tell everybody about this. Mm -hmm. And he said, quote, Jakey had fantasies about sexual masturbation in unusual ways with bondage and homosexual thrills. While I peck this out, my sparky is going hard. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Now. I the, just closed my eyes. The, the police did investigate this, and there's no connection to, with BTK to this murder. And Dennis himself admits it was complete bullshit. He just wanted to see the police, like, run around for him. <laughs> No. He loves saying Sparky big time. Well, and he said my Sparky. 
Yeah. So like that's what you hard. refer to your ew. Yeah. Nope. Yep. You all know that now. I don't so, have my headspace nope, anymore. Not ready. So October twenty second, um, a UPS worker was picking up packages from the Omni Center office building, which is located at two hundred North Kansas, and he found another like plastic bag. Yeah. With a brown envelope inside it, and it said BTK Fieldgram on it. Uh-huh. So there was more of, like, the BTK story story like, chapters in there. And then there was a page that was just photographs of children where he had just drawn gags, bindings, and other torture stuff all over these kids. Oh, that's yeah. fucked up. He also wrote a whole slightly real but slightly fictionalized version of his early life for the chapter Don. Okay. So then he tried making calls to Cake TV and such and like admitting things and all this stuff, but nobody was taking him seriously when he called. Yeah. And then in December, he called in a bomb threat to Ninth and Minnesota, but it was bullshit. He had just left a package there and he wanted someone to find it. Mm -hmm. No one found it for like five days. So the bomb threat box was supposed to represent the B in BTK, like bomb threat. Yep. This one had a gagged Barbie doll with its hands tied behind its back and the actual license of Nancy Fox attached, not a photocopy, the actual license. Oh, wow. Then there was the tale of Nancy Fox's murder on a couple of pages in there. He said, quote, when I see this now, I'm actually embarrassed at times at what I wrote the police. But this is part of the cube world. Cube world. Them's the breaks in cube world. Wow. Now, on January 25th, 2005, Cake TV got another package. It was a postcard with the address S. Killett, 803 North Edgemore, Wichita, Kansas, 67208. Skillet. This was the Otero's home address. Oh. Yeah. Now, this postcard asked whether a post-toasties cereal box left between 69th and 77th had been found. They found it after this, and inside the box was another Barbie doll with a rope wrapped around the doll's neck, and this rope was attached to a little PVC pipe. It said, and next to it said, quote, Chapter 9 Hits, PJ Little Mex, 115.74. So this doll was obviously supposed to be Josephine. Right. Uh, This post-toasties box had the T circled, so it was repping the T in BTK. Ew. There was another package at a Home Depot, too, in a special K box with the K circled. There's the K. What? He's really going for it. This is just too much. This one is, I think in this one he had, like, the plans for his, like, murder lair in there. And in this one, he listed a bunch of projects that he was looking for, ones that he had completed. And then he asked, this is where things get really good. In this one, he then asked if he could send a floppy disk with some things. Yeah, do it. And he said, he, he was like, will it be traced, though? Will it be able to be traced? And he literally said, quote, be honest. He literally asked the police. Can you trace a floppy disk if I send it to you? Be honest. (laughs) What a fucking moron. And he wanted the police to respond to tell him whether he could do it. We can trace that, so don't send it to us, okay? Well, in the way that he wanted them to respond, 
was having them put an ad in the paper that would say, quote, Rex, it will be okay. Also, he picked Rex. Why? Because it rhymes with sex. Because it rhymes with sex. Like Fox rhymes with sex. Yeah, so you perfectly. know. All the same. So the police were like, is this fucking real? Like, I, I, you know, they were literally like, is he fucking with us? Like, what is, like, he, he can't be this stupid. Like, let's just be honest, Popo. So they ran an ad in the Wichita Eagle to let him know it would be totally fine. It's fine, Rex. They were like, on. do it, Rex. On February 3rd, 2005, Dennis sent a postcard to Cake TV to thank them for being rad. And for the police, he was like, thanks for being honest. I'll be sending that disc soon. What the fuck? So he's literally like, thanks, guys. You guys are my bros. His brain. So because he was now the president of his church. Oh, yeah. Jesus. He had been, he had been uh, elected the president. He used the church's computer to send a test file on the floppy disk. Goodbye. This was a file where he signed in with his own goddamn name on the computer. Are you kidding And me? had no idea that it would pop up on the thing. So the police used their computer guy who saw that the person who made this disc's name was Dennis. And a little search showed them that it came from the Christ Church, Christ Lutheran Church, where Dennis Rader was the new president of. Wow. So now Dennis had also left, because remember, we're going back, he left semen at crime scenes before. Because remember, he was like, he was jacking it on the thing. Yeah. And there was DNA under the fingernails of Vicky Wargle because she fought like a hellcat. Right. He ejaculated at most of the crime scenes, most notably at the Josephine Otero scene and into a blue nightgown at the Nancy Fox scene. But at this at that time, DNA wasn't something law enforcement were really able to do anything with, but they collected it. Right. And the chance that obviously shit would get better. Now, decades later, they could take those samples they kept and finally test them against Dennis Rader now. Oh, my God. And that should be no. And what should be noted as really impressive is that the lead detective on this case, Lieutenant Landwer, I think is, is how you say it. He was really smart and he didn't allow those samples to be tested like they wanted to test these for years right decades leading up to this when they finally had the technology they were like let's test these and he was like no not until we have somebody to test it against yeah and he said he didn't want to do it until this time because he was worried that the samples would be destroyed by testing them and he said if we ever had a suspect we wouldn't be able to use that to test against him he was 100% correct in, rate, in waiting. Good for him. So they actually ended up getting DNA from his daughter Carrie's medical files. Mm-hmm. And luckily, they were able to take that DNA swab and compare it against the semen samples and the stuff under Vicky's fingernails. And it was a match for Dennis Rader. So February 25th, 2005, Dennis was surrounded during his lunch break and arrested. <laughs> Try to kill someone on this lunch break, Dennis. Can't do it. Idiot. Can't do it. Going to jail. A douche to the end, he said, quote, I did what son of Sam did. I said, hello, Mr. Landwer. No. Like a fucking tool to the end. To the fucking end. Oh, my God. Just a fucking weirdo. When he was interrogated, he gave over 30 hours of confession. Whoa. Yeah. He tried to hold out for a little while, and then he's just like. He's like, never mind. Sit down. Yeah. He was like, sit down. I can't wait to tell this story. When now, when he was found, they also found his quote, mother load 
What? He called it his mother load. Is that all the things in the hidey That holes? was all the shit, like the drawing. Yeah, the shit in the hidey holes. The drawings, the journals, and the, quote, slick ads. What's a slick ad? That's what he called these things he made where he would take three by five index cards and paste magazine photos of women onto them and draw gags and torture things on them. He called them his slick ads. Okay. You know. There was also newspaper clippings of the coverage of his murders, of the photos of himself in bondage positions, Yuck. maps to and from victims' homes, lingerie from victims, and items like licenses, like all that shit. Yeah. So it was like literally a treasure trove of evidence. Uh, he, his wife, Paula, immediately divorced him yep. and put their house up for sale. Correct. They have not spoken. He said... He said he wished, obviously, he's like, I wish I knew that that was the day, like, the last day I would ever see my wife. Mm -hmm. And which, like, fuck you, Dennis. But, like, that literally is the last time. She was like, nope, that's that. Good for her. And I was like, yeah, Paula. I would do the same thing, I hope. So July 27th, 2005 was his court appearance where, where he announced his guilty plea, the one that I played the clip from. This negated the need for a long, drawn out trial. And that's where a lot of people have seen the clips of him being that remorseless robot. Right. He confessed in graphic detail to each of the 10 murders, and then the victim's family members were allowed to speak. The sentencing phase was uh, August 17th to the 19th in 2005. The judge was Judge Waller, and he eventually sentenced Dennis Rader to 10 consecutive life, life sentences. It will be 175 years before he is eligible for, for parole, which is a, a, long a pretty time. long time. He is serving his sentence in segregation at El Dorado Correctional Facility in El Dorado, Kansas. And in segregation, prisoners are in their cells 23 hours a day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, side notes before we end this, just little nifty gifties. Uh, he made the BTK logo himself. And he would put, he like did it on everything that he signed. It wasn't just writing BTK, he made a logo. Okay. It, uh, the B is a pair of tits. Oh my God, Dennis. Like this grown Grow ass, <laughs> this grown ass man drew the B in BTK with nipples to make it boobs. Like you're in fifth grade. He's Dennis. literally a 12 year old boy. You're in fifth grade. Uh, he also said, quote, I, uh, quote, like regarding the floppy disks that he used. Yeah. He said, quote, I bought the package of diskettes from Walmart West off 21st Street North. I paid in cash. I used purple to mean imperial power, symbolic oh of BTK. God. Oh, my God. So his purple floppy disks that he sent to the police were supposed to mean we're imperial cold. power. <laughs> Meanwhile, it was like imperial douchery. Exactly. He went quiet officially from 1991 to 2004. Like, that's when he didn't kill anyone. Yeah. But from his first murder to the time he was caught was 30 fucking years. That's a long time. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, at some point, Stephen King included in a collection of four short stories, one called A Good Marriage. And it was about a married couple where the wife finds out about her husband's homicidal, like, BDSM stuff. The wife had no idea at the time in the story. And King says that he was inspired by Dennis Rader in this oh, case. Dennis agrees that the character is a good parallel to him. Yeah, I bet. And I bet he fucking loves that. Oh, he does. Uh, his kids still say he was a very good father and not abusive to them in any way, shape, or form. Neither one of them has a relationship with him right now. But 
uh, Carrie uh, Rawson is her last name now, did write her own book. At, like I think it's called like A Serial Killer's Daughter. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's I haven't read it yet, but I really want to. Mm-hmm. And so. Sounds like it'd be interesting. Yeah. So that's the story of Dennis Rader. You did it. BT motherfucking K. Good job. High five. We high five. <laughs> we did. Alina did a badass job with that. Ooh, so did a real bang up job. Did a real bang up job. So thank you guys for hanging in here with us Ooh. through this whole thing. You know, I'm going to sit here and say to you, I am so glad that's over. Yeah, I am. You know why? For many reasons, but also I am just so sick of BTK living in my brain. Yeah, I don't. I want need him, him to be gone. Me. I just want to watch brain. him on Mindhunter and laugh at him now with all of you. Exactly. Just be like, oh, there's bumbling idiot. <laughs> there's Fucking that doofus. Weirdo. How's your purple floppy disk, douchebag? <laughs> imperial power. <laughs> yeah, imperial idiocy. So I'm really glad that BTK can now move the fuck out of my brain. Wow. But uh, yeah. Hope you guys dug it and. You guys are fucking hilarious, and I You're can't wait so to see what else funny. you do. <laughs> Keep sending us shit. If you want to go ahead and join the Facebook page, you can do so at Morbid colon a true crime podcast. Also follow us on Instagram. Morbid podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. A morbid podcast. Gmail us. Morbidpodcast at gmail.com. Check out the website that Elena designed. Morbidpodcast.com. Donate to the Patreon if you're feeling so inclined. Patreon.com slash Morbid podcast. We hope you keep listening. And we hope you keep it weird. weird. But not so weird that you turn into Dennis Reader and you try to murder people for like a really long time and you have hidey holes and you say, mm, you can't have that tape unless I say so. And then you get purple floppy disks and then you kill a lot of people and then like you drink a lot of water. And then also <laughs> you just really think that everything is about you. And then you send the you send the police mail and you say, but be honest though, and then you get caught and then you say weird things while you confess and just you're a bumbling idiot. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) Don't keep it that weird. Don't do it. Bye. Bye. Follow Morbid on the Wondery app, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to episodes early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Hey, weirdos. We have a ton of episodes that we think you will just love, but if you scroll down the feed just a bit, there's one we think you should definitely check out if you missed it. Episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, is one of our favorite episodes. And you might even get a little bit more out of it, especially in light of the viral TikTok series, Who the Fuck Did I Marry, that is taking the internet by storm. Here's the deal, you guys. Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson, they wanted to spend their lives together. But there was a catch. They were already married to other people. So they did as deviants do, and they devised a mischievous and murderous plan to rid themselves of their respective spouses. But just how far were they willing to go with their lies? And would they get away with it? You can find this episode by following Morbid and scrolling back a little bit to episode 531, Tom Bird and Lorna Anderson Eldridge, or by searching Morbid Bird Anderson wherever you listen to podcasts.